Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And hello, my name is EJ Kerwin. And today we're moving into part two of I'm going to call it Play with Renee following last week's episode. And what I really want to say, because I was thinking about this on the way here, is our world has been so stressful and tense and just everything from the pandemic and the economic stuff happening around the world. And so like what better way to talk about play and how to lighten things up in a relationship? Like I'm really excited for this next piece. So in case you uh, didn't listen to our last episode, we had Renee Berger on. Renee is a therapist at Relationship Renovation Center and uh, she has a background in education and teaching and is just a super creative, experiential therapist who who brings a lot to the table. And in the first episode, we talked a lot about importance of play and its role with neuroplasticity. And it was sort of in the context of therapy for the most part. And today we wanted to have uh, Renee back to talk more about the importance of play at home and just just in your life. And so welcome back, Renee, and thank you for coming in again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How are you today? I'm having a good morning. I got a very tall Starbucks in front of me, oh, so it's delicious, and I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> Tara is Thanks, definitely Tara. a giver. She she it's always brings love. people in their Starbucks coffee. Starbucks makes me happy. Yeah. So, Renee, like, let's start out. Play for couples. Why is it important? What's your perspective on that? Well, I, I think maybe to harken back to what we were talking about last week, you know, we see people, people want help sometimes because they feel stuck. Yeah. So... What does it mean to be stuck? Well, there's a lot of reasons why we get stuck. Sometimes we can't stop thinking about something bad that happened. Sometimes there's something really stressful happening at the present Mm -hmm. that you can't think about anything else but that thing. So Mm -hmm. sometimes there's habits, there are circumstances, there are past experiences. And a lot of those things sometimes seem really overwhelming. And if you're in a couple, if you're experiencing one of those things, your partner is inevitably going to be carrying that with you, and it's going to impact how you guys interact. And so sometimes we think that we're so overwhelmed. I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience. Sometimes things happen and you feel so overwhelmed that you don't know if you can change. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to, to think that something different can happen, that something better can happen. I think Tolkien used to call it eucatastrophe. Eucatastrophe, I love that. The imminent possibility of something good happening. It's really hard to consider eucatastrophe when you're in the middle of a challenging situation, whether that's in your intimate relationship or whether that's in your life circumstances. And I do think it's important to, like when you are in a coupleship, and like we just had a couple yesterday and you know, he just got a diagnosis of major depressive disorder and it's been really hard for him. And I kind of do baselines around like mood and sleep and Mm -hmm. joy. And I mean, and his partner, even though she doesn't have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, she feels ass sad because of what he's going through and his suffering. So it really does show up in the coupleship Oh, even yeah. if it's just one person struggling. And Absolutely. again, why we want to do this podcast today is to help couples really learn some tools to lighten the load a little. Uh, I think that's the key right there is like lighten yeah. the load. I mean, so many couples that come in here and, and end up in therapy, they come because they say things like, wow, that's just like, it's not like fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, we're just like 
roommates. Robots, I hear a lot. Yeah, and and just like sort of the joy of life. And so much, I think when you're together with somebody for long enough is you're just like running life together Mm -hmm. and you, you cease to have fun. Yeah. And so I think this is a great topic for us to sort of dig into mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. You know, when when somebody comes in, you know, when somebody's saying they're having some problems, it's because they feel stuck, like I said. And so I, I like to put it in the context of a story. I'm always thinking in terms of story. And when something really terrible happens, trauma of some sort, it's not the end of the story. Even though we we have a pattern that we seem like we're really like rutted into, we have a bad habit. Maybe both people have bad habits, you know, mm-hmm. just because you've got something that you've been doing for a long time that it's not helpful or it's been hurtful, that's not the end of the story. And having a difficult time communicating with somebody, communication challenges, even if you've been doing them for a long time, even if everyone in your family has been doing it for generations, that's not the end of the story. I think play offers the opportunity for something different. And last time we were talking about neuroplasticity and that's essentially like at a biological level, like our brain's ability, our our personhood, is it able to heal? Is it able to change? Mm-hmm. And what the research is saying with a resounding like, thank goodness, is that adult brains can change. It's not the end of the story. Even if difficult things have happened, which difficult things, yeah, they rewire the brain, but that's not the end of the story. Right. And what they've found is there are really critical pieces relatively simple pieces, any one or more of these pieces, they really promote the neuroplasticity. And coincidentally, they're all things that we find like inherent to play. Hmm. And they don't have to be complicated. It doesn't mean that you have to sit down with building blocks with your partner. Right. That's not what we're asking you to do. It can be things that we we do in our regular adult life. I'm not asking anyone to act juvenile. <laughs> But if they want to, that's okay. But if they want to, that's also okay. I mean, I'm a big fan of that myself. But, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, you don't have to drink it. Right. But basically, the research is really indicating that physical and mental exercise, that is a key feature in creating neuroplasticity in the in the adult brain. Any kind of attentiveness, mindfulness, interoception, we throw that word around, Anything like that where you really have to be paying attention to your surroundings, it requires you to really be present in the moment. Attentive to your partner, those things create neuroplasticity. The realization that someone's being attentive to you creates neuroplasticity. And then thirdly, exposure to any kind of new challenge. Taking a drive home that you don't normally take home. That's a new challenge. Trying a new activity, uh, dancing, anything, that's a new challenge. Yeah. Reading a book together that you've never read together, that's a new challenge. Yeah. So any one of those yeah. three things creates neuroplasticity, basically makes the brain able to grow and change in a multitude of ways that originally we thought adults were stuck. Right. They're not. I love what you said there was, for me, it just broke down to the idea of couples get into places where they feel really stuck in negative patterns. Mm -hmm. And then we have this like fancy word that like we've heard on like in apps or as therapists, we hear neuroplasticity, but really what neuroplasticity is like the ability to change. Mm -hmm. And so it's saying like, hey, you can get stuck and there is a way to change. You, you don't have to stay stuck. And one way to do it is to play together, mm-hmm. is to have like these experiences. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk play. 
Yeah. Give us some ideas, Renee. Oh, man. Okay. Do you want to like break it down into categories like physical, mental attentiveness, or should we just be general? I think probably going one category at a time. For for those of us that, you know, aim small, miss small, we can do any one of those three things True. and feel like we're making progress. But yeah. then for all the overachievers or perfectionists in recovery, you know, they can try all three things. So <laughs> gives all the options to everyone. How about Love that? It. Okay. Okay. So physical and mental exercise. Okay, so we're thinking in terms of a couple. The first thing that comes to mind that is relatively simple, we all, some of us have to do it when we are practicing for our wedding, but dancing. Yeah. You know, you have to mirror, you have to respond, you have to be in sync. There are so many good things that are happening, neurologically speaking. But one of the things that they said in the research is biobehavioral synchronicity. Anything that you can do that helps you be synchronous right. with your partner. That could be playing patty cake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think sex is a great example of like, you know, <laughs> biobehavioral synchronicity, but you know. It's a bit of a that's dance. That's another podcast. That's I another like podcast. It. I heard that happened recently. So <laughs> anyway, but you know, dancing is a great one. Um, couples yoga. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in the positions together, but doing yoga together, like following the same yeah. leader together, yeah. that could be incredibly helpful. I've seen acro yoga, like acro yoga workshops for couples where they do mm. like kind of this combination of yoga and like facilitating, yeah. uh, you know, different positions together. Yeah, oh, that's out. cool. Yeah. Personally speaking, I'm a runner. I love to run. And my husband's like, nope, don't want to do it. Okay, so we won't run together. That's fine. But he loves to bike. Mm -hmm. He loves to go on bike rides. And I, a number of the couples that I see really enjoy going on bike rides together. And I always say this with my husband, my favorite thing about going on bike rides is getting to a really big hill and then just whee, going down the hill. Like, I feel like I'm seven years old again and it's just a blast. And I'm like, I don't care that I'm 40 and I'm <laughs> saying we going down a hill. It's I great. can't tell you how many couples have have just integrated walks into their yes! into their life, like three time a week walks. And it's like game changers for mm -hmm. them. You yeah. know, that they just get out of the house together. They go for a walk. They leave their phones behind. Yes. They leave their sometimes like kids behind. Yes. You know, Absolutely. and just go out and walk together. You got a dog. You don't need yeah. a dog to go on a walk. I know my family, um, we, we go on a, we call it Walk Wednesday. And so every Wednesday after dinner, the whole family goes out for a walk. And it's not super long because yeah. we have an almost four-year-old. So we're going at her pace. You know, it doesn't have to be a long walk. Yeah. But it just shakes things up a little bit. And you meet people out on the street. And One thing that we loved over the pandemic, we should do this again, but we did family dodgeball. We like got dodgeballs off of Amazon. Threw dodgeballs at each other. And we were on a walk last week and our middle son was like, remember dodgeball? And I was like, oh my God, that was so much fun. That was like our pandemic escape was going to the park and throwing balls at yeah. each other. I, I wanted that to say too, like we know the importance of this because EJ and I are both into physical wellness. And mm -hmm. so we actually like next Friday, we're having our first couples at the gym together. They're mm -hmm. doing like a couples workout because, and it's free because we just wanted to have them have a new experience, also mm -hmm. be in their bodies together and be synchronous. And I didn't even think about yes. this. So I'm like, oh, right. I wanted to say too, you know, to kind of go back to that idea of like aim small, miss small, like sometimes physical exercise is 
an overwhelming aspiration. Like, yeah. especially when you're with a partner and you have kids and you've got both jobs and there can be a lot of things to juggle at once. And I, I was just thinking, I had this conversation with a couple of mine that I'm seeing and they wanted something that they could do no matter the circumstance. They wanted to make a goal of like, we're going to exercise together mm -hmm. somehow. And I was like, okay, jump rope. Oh yeah. Seriously, like go out after dinner, some point during the day and jump rope for one minute. Maybe Done. before dinner so they don't get sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that too. That would be a, that being that. synchronous with your, your body. Jump rope. Yeah, yeah that's just go great. Have a jump rope contest. Yeah. See who can, who can jump the most. And that actually would touch on a lot of the things that we're talking about. So that's the physical and mental exercise piece. We could probably go on and on. Yeah. There's For a sure. lot of things we could do together. I think, I think the big thing, though, about that is making sure people know it doesn't have to be a grand thing. Like, no. oh, you have to, like, get in a, a dance class together. No. Or you have to subscribe to a gym together. Great no. if you do that. But it can just be little things like a walk, like putting on a song on a Friday night and just dancing Friday to a, night a, dance a favorite party. song that, that you guys have, but like that the little yes. is so important, like yeah. you said. And can I just say one more thing to that? Absolutely. If you have kids, what an amazing modeling mm -hmm. to have that light, fun, seeing mom and dad or seeing parents yes. just having a ball. You can yeah. be a grown up <laughs> and still be joyful. Yeah. I just it's love possible. that the kids get to see that. Like it's so profound to me, even though when I'm being a total silly dork face, my children are super embarrassed of me. <laughs> I don't care. Especially the teenagers. Not changing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we mentioned three different things. We, yep. we just talked about physical and mental exercise. Another thing that we can do in a couplehood to kind of promote that way of growing, that environment that really promotes growing together and, and healing is paying attention, attentiveness, mindfulness. You know, we already mentioned yoga in the first one, but really like paying attention to your partner, you can do that while you're sitting at the dinner table mm -hmm. and you can be intentional about making eye contact. You can reflect back what your partner just said. Oh, so I heard that today you had a really tough day because your boss said this to you. Mm -hmm. You could get even more attentive and say, oh, I heard your voice get really sad. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated, literally right. just paying attention to one another and, and communicating to the other that like giving proof that you heard and saw. Like that's what we, when we talk about neuroplasticity, if we want to boil it down to even something smaller, it's like, creating an environment where we know that we're safe and we know that we're loved. Right. You know, we're yeah. worthy of attention. Absolutely. And so when you are having a conversation with your partner and you're making eye contact, yep. you're communicating them that they're worthy of being attended to. It, re it reminds me, because I'm kind of, I'm trying to relate it back to play. And what that reminds me of is like a tennis game and that like, yes. when you're, that you're, it's going back and forth. And sometimes our communication ceased, ceases to feel that way in relationship after a while. And paying attention, like you said, is just a huge weight yeah. of like, of being playful, of being, we talk a ton about this with clients is being curious. Yes. That if I'm really listening to you and reflecting back, mm -hmm. it's compelling, it's interesting, it's fun. That's yeah. play right there. Oh, for sure. And I'm thinking about something in my family that we do a lot of. In my family, we play a lot of cards. Uh huh. We love cards. And our family loves euchre. 
Oh, yeah. Do you guys know what euchre is? Yes, for okay, sure. Okay, okay. So it's a, it's a game you play in pairs. So it's a pair versus a pair versus other pairs. I, I suppose you can have more than one. But my family has been playing this since I was really little. I used to hide under the table while the, the grown-ups played euchre. <laughs> but um, one of the things we're talking about is paying attention to one another. And when you're working as a pair to play a card game, and this happens in poker to some extent too, like you hmm. you get to know each other's tells. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, I think about, you know, human communication, like 94% of it is nonverbal. Right. And so when you play cards and you have a partner and you're not allowed to do table talk, you can use the 94% to say, yeah. use your body language to say what you should or should not do. And so that is a really good example of paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of small things that you can do that help the team, I suppose, in that card game. It reminds me of when we had our interview with Dr. Stan Tatkin, and he's like mm-hmm. this leading researcher in the field of couples counseling. And mm-hmm. he was saying how he makes love to his partner every day. And then he quickly said, let me explain what that means. Because some people might be mad at him for that. <laughs> that he he and his wife, Tracy, they take 10 minutes every day, complete attention with each other. And that mm-hmm. is making love. And he said yes. that is like the most deepest form of intimacy that you can give to each other without judgment, just being mm-hmm. fully present. And so yeah. I, I just loved when he said that, making yeah. love, that's making love. Yeah. Attentiveness, worthy of attention. Yeah. Absolutely. And to give 10 minutes of it. A couple of other things that popped into my mind in terms of like ways to make attention. So this is also a personal example. So my husband and I are both musicians Mm -hmm. and we have been playing music together literally since the day that we met. And so I think about if I have to play a song with him, one of our favorite things to do is just jam. He's a guitarist. I don't know keys to save my life, but I'm a fiddle player. And so he'll just start jamming around in a key. And I'm like, okay, this sounds good. But I have to be paying attention to him right? in order to, you know, be mindful of the key changes, you know, and the tempo. Like, I have to be attending to him. So the idea of, like, playing music together puts us in a position where it's not going to sound good if, you know, we're not yeah. being mindful of the other and paying attention to the other. So oh, that's like a, that. a practical way. When you were talking about your expert that was in recently, mm-hmm. what was his name, doctor? Dr. Stan Tatkin. So when he was talking about making love to his wife and that being 10 minutes of undivided yep. attention, a silly, playful way to do that, and I actually do these in my sessions too, is I have couples do staring contests. And so usually the staring contest as the end makes them laugh a lot. But the idea of, okay, now seriously, like we're going to take one minute and I just want you to look at your partner. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, we realize, like, to the depth that we see that person, like, there's so much you can communicate through your eyes. Oh, yeah. You know, I I have one game that I play with my couples where they try to guess what the other person is thinking by just making eye contact, but nobody says anything. Whoa, I like that. So, (laughs) What am I thinking right now? What am I thinking right now? (laughs) She doesn't want to know. (laughs) You're, I mean, when you're doing a podcast, DJ, you're super present. I think you don't have a lot of other thoughts going on, so... But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Hmm. I'm watching you too. I don't know. So that <laughs> that's a fun way to do things, to have the staring contest. There's just so yeah. much in a person's yeah. presence and in their gaze. I think you know? the, the big thing I'm hearing is just like when we play, we are forced to pay attention to who we're playing with. And, and that's the big happening. thing is like how mm-hmm. do we create 
big and small moments of playing together so we start paying attention to one another again because that's one of the biggest things that couples talk about is they feel like wow like we are not tuned into each other yeah we are living parallel to one another and that, and that's yeah. a it's not a good feeling especially over the long haul and if you find a ton of different yeah. ways whether it's listening to a song together it's going for a walk together it's mm-hmm playing Scrabble together, Mm -hmm. that then you are cultivating many, many moments where you are connected. Mm -hmm. I have to share this one intervention that I use for some couples. It can be a little like nerve wracking. So Mm -hmm. I kind of wait until I've really built that emotional safety, Mm -hmm. but I have them look at each other and they have to keep looking at each other. And partner A is like, who are you? And then partner B is, you know, I'm Tara, I'm a female, I'm a mom. And then like every 10 or 15 seconds or so, the partner A says, who are you? And we take about two to three minutes. And it's interesting because so many people don't think about who am I? Like, and then when you're doing that with your partner, Mm -hmm. um, tears can start to be shed. And at first it's like, uh, who am I? I, well, what I've noticed, I am not, what, what do I do? And it's like, just breathe into it look into your partner's eyes and it will just start to happen. I'm Mm. creative. I'm an artist. You know, I'm a mom. I am Mm. a therapist. I'm a daughter. I mean, so many things different come up, but I love that exercise for couples Mm. to do because they're really looking at each other. Mm -hmm. Who are you? And you're telling them who you are. To become a student yeah. of your partner. Yeah. You know, to, to and a student of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So so yeah. real quick, like we always want to look at sort of the flip and help people see also like what is the obstacle, right? And so we've talked a lot about all these great areas that people can connect and why they want to connect, but what keeps people from doing it? Because there there are probably people out there who are thinking like, oh yeah, but my partner dot, dot, dot. You know, like what keeps people from engaging in these activities? Because like we said, these aren't complicated things. Well, I think practically speaking, one of the things that gets in the way is time, our perception of time. I'm I'm so busy. I've got so many things I need to do. It's hard to fit that kind of, one, I might be so exhausted from all the things that I'm, I'm spending my time doing that yeah. I don't know if I can do that. I've seen a thousand couples say, I'm so tired, uh, but I've also seen like a lot of eye rolls in those moments. Cause it's like, really? Like we don't have, you're, we're too tired or we don't have time to sit and pay attention to one another. Yeah. Well, and then look at how it wreaks havoc in their life that if mm-hmm. they were to make that time and we've seen the shift happen, because they start to cultivate that quality time and it feels so much more connecting Mm -hmm. in the midst of chaos, which life is chaotic. So that part's not gonna change, but you can change that piece with your partner. And I think, and and to broaden from just like time and tired, it's just limiting thoughts, right? I'm so tired that I can't. can't. I can't, just Mm -hmm. we can't, I can't, he won't, she won't, they won't. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like being really aware of like, if you're sitting listening to this Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, God, that would be nice, but 
Can in my we, family, we say butts are stinky. Yeah, can we get rid of those butts? Can, can, get rid of the butts. Like, butts are stinky. I love that. In a, in a kind, loving. I'm going to start using it with our kids. Sorry. Open-hearted way. Can you can you go to your partner and yeah. say like it is so important that we connect again? I heard this podcast about playing. Can we find a way to have fun together again? Can we find yeah. a way to pay attention to one another? Even listen to this podcast with your partner and then kind of brainstorm yeah. ways. Well, you know that for some. Reason I don't know why I didn't think about it before when you were saying like can we think about a way to have fun together again when you were saying that I was like you know when you first get into a relationship and you're meeting each other for the first time you're the amount of thought that goes into the date mm. like what are we going to do for our date well is it too weird to do that for a first date like like people think about like what are we yeah. going to do on the date well you know there's the the quick entry yes. I'm going to do a dinner and a movie that's usually like the safe zone. Yeah. You curate the experience, exactly. whereas you cease to do that when mm-hmm. you've been a long time and you start to think like, well, we just it'll yeah. just happen. And then let me tell you, it doesn't just happen. Right, right, for sure. That darn automation of our brain. Man, oh man. There you go. And that's the other thing, right? Play gets you out of the automation. Yep. It gets you out right. of the habituation. It helps you see if you're doing something with your partner that you don't normally do, you see an aspect of them that, mm-hmm. that you haven't seen. So they stop being a facsimile of themselves. Exactly. Get out there and play. We Tara, still we're have, playing this weekend. There's one more thing. Yeah, we still have one more thing. Exposure oh, to ahead. new challenges. Because we had Ooh. the mental and physical. Yes. Then we had the attentive. And mm-hmm. now... Exposure to new oh, challenges. Big time. That's huge, yeah, right? That is. Okay. And it actually just really quickly grows your freaking brain and creates new right. neurons firing together. Yeah. Neurons that new, fire together, wire, wire together, together. You know, all that. Get some play neurons wiring together. So the beautiful thing about exposure to new challenges and how that creates new plasticity is like that one, you're getting a lot for one action. You do something that is a new learning experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that in and of itself is going to create positive connections throughout your brain. You're growing your brain when you learn something new. But the other thing is you're doing it in the context of that intimate relationship. And so there's even more possibility in terms of like neural growth. Like it's so healthy for you to with somebody else do something that you've never done before. And for anyone that's ever thought about seeing a child, been a parent, raised a child, like it's not coincidental that the greatest period of neurological growth is ages zero to two, mm-hmm. zero to three, like that zone. And you know what the research has shown again and again and again is that it's in relationship that that growth happens. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons why there's so much neurological growth at that time is because it's in the context of a relationship. relationship. Learning is, it's a its a collective, it is a communicative and community-based act because you can't learn, you can't be curious. And I say this to my couples all the time, you can't be curious if you don't feel safe. Yep. And so I'll point that out. a lot of times a couple would be like, oh, today I'm feeling inquisitive. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. And I'll get really, really big and excited about that. And they're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, that means you feel safe. Yep. You know, I get so Love excited that. about that. So if you're curious about something and if you're both curious about the same thing, that in and of itself will indicate and create a sense of yeah. safety. Right. So to get back to the practical piece, places I've seen this out in everyday life, I went on a walk with my son recently, and there was this couple, they probably mid-50s, and they were out birding together. And for those of you who don't know what that means, 
They had their big binoculars and they had their hiking boots on and they were walking their around. North American bird book. And they had their bird books open and they were taking pictures. And all they were doing was going outside and looking at birds. But yeah. they were totally geeking out over these birds, and they were—they <laughs> wanted to tell me and my son all about the type of birds that There's were in this a particular tail grackle over I, there. I, wow! Why? Thank you. You know, and do you hear that call? And then it was a mating call, and see the other one's answering. Like they were just so excited about Aww, it, and to that. have that childlike spark. Yeah. You know, we talk about like how do you you know start the spark again? How do you how do you rekindle that spark? They're being playful together. Yeah. So it could be anything. You could be geeking out over birds. You know, my husband and I, we get really geeked out over like nerdy movies. Like when Tolkien came out with like Lord of the Rings and all that, that was, that's the beginning of our relationship. You know, I remember (laughs) he and I having a conversation about if you were a hobbit, which hobbit family would you belong to? And I was like, I'd be a took for those of you who even know what that means. Um, (laughs) So like we had this whole conversation and we geek out together, but exposure to new challenges can be a lot of different things. I think that's Movies, books. Birding, yeah. dancing, dancing, yoga, exercise together, walking, go to a museum, doing 5Ks on the weekends. Yeah. Just new experiences. Anything new. Farmers yeah. markets. Bucket yeah. list. Think the Being bucket coffee list. coffee connoisseurs. Okay. Again, See, I think so it's many. important to pull it back to that big and little thing is like, I think couples automatically think of like, oh, a vacation. Like it has to be like this big out of town yeah. thing, which is awesome. Try to do those occasionally, but it can be <laughs> going to, yeah, like you said, a farmer's market or a cultural event yeah. or a, just a hike you've never been right. or a stimulating documentary that you got, you, that yeah. you know nothing about. I love going and seeing movies with my husband because like we'll we'll carve out the whole evening because inevitably we need to walk around and drink coffee for like two hours afterwards, like talking about like, what did it mean? You know, <laughs> like it. we get way into it. And so that could be something for sure. I, w- I want to just really share one more thing. So yesterday, one of our therapists, Robin... <laughs> She was like, oh, I just listened to your High Frisky podcast, and mm-hmm. it got me thinking, like, during the pandemic, I started cutting Randy's hair, and we had so much fun with it, and now I just want to cut his hair more, like, just being and doing something, doing something different, yeah. giving him a haircut. Yeah. I tried to give my husband dreadlocks during the pandemic. <laughs> Even that, right? Like little grooming each other. Yeah. I love doing EJ's eyebrows and his little plucks on his nose and his little (laughs) ear hair, you know. (laughs) You're making him sound really hairy. Got a lot of hair in a lot of weird places. All right. Well, I mean, I think this was exciting. Like you, and you know, it was interesting, like as we spoke, like we got excited about it. It's exciting just to think about it for ourselves, each Mm -hmm. of us. But it's also, it's exciting to think of couples out there taking this step and saying like, you know what, I'm going to tell my partner, hey, let's listen to this podcast together. Or I'm going to talk to my partner and ask them if they want to play. I'm going to find out what they like to play. I'm going to try to create a new experience that we do together that brings out aspects aspects of each other that we haven't seen. I mean, this is a huge, very practical thing any couple can do that's going to enrich them as individuals and as a couple. And hear this and take this in. You deserve it. Mm. Your relationship deserves it. Amen.
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Renee. This was fun Play again. Play with Renee. My pleasure. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, thank you all for being here and listening to us. Please, you know, subscribe if you haven't already to our podcast. Please leave us a review. Please tell somebody else about the podcast. It really helps us uh, get the word out and help as many couples and individuals as we can. Yeah. And plug into our social media because we're always, so our podcasts come out on Fridays or Saturdays and we always do a whole social media theme with yeah, the Ask a Therapist Tuesday. Day, coping skills Thursday, fun little videos and little stories and reels. So check that out. We really try to build up these podcasts with a lot of different techniques and tools and resources before it even comes out. You betcha. So as always, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame. Are we?